Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, there seems to be a, a bit of a scene over down by the river. Seems to be a, a commotion going on. This was the conversation that was taking place between a group of priests who were seeing large groups gathering down by the Jordan River. See, groups of people have been lining up for days to be baptized. The group seems to be getting larger and larger, starting to pick up the interest and the notice of the local priests. Now, the oddest thing about this whole thing, I mean, wasn't the fact that it was the number of people waiting to go into the, into the Jordan, even though it was a lot. It was noticeable for sure. But what was most interesting was the person who was doing it, who was performing it. That's what caught their interest. He was poorly dressed. He was a bit odd. Had a strange diet from what they were told. And he was somewhat of an outsider. Not one that you would see walking around the city streets. So, a group of priests decided to go and investigate. Yeah, check this out. What's going on down there? Did you authorize anything? No. Did you authorize anything? No. Let's see what's going on. And they get to the river. Hmm. Are you Elijah? And the man in the river, bringing more and down. God bless you. He's coming. I'm not he. He's coming. Peace be with you. Okay, they're looking at each other. Are you the prophet? No. Peace be with you. He's coming. He's coming. And so now the priests looking at each other. Then who are you? <laughs> I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Come. Peace be with you. He's coming. He's coming. Come. Peace be with you. He's coming. And day after day after day, this man met there in the river. The lines grew larger and larger. The groups of people came. And all were baptized who were willing to go into the river. And this man was preparing the people of Israel for the arrival of the Messiah. 
until there was a day he was in the river. And there, bringing him, peace be with you, he's, he's coming. Everyone look, the Lamb of God, the one who is to forgive the sins of the world, he's here. Father, we pray right now that as we break your bread, your word, to let your spirit speak to us, that God, we just now pray that we walk out of here with an understanding of your scripture, of your desire for us. Lord, I pray now, anything that comes out of my mouth be only the truth from the gospel. Anything I say that is incorrect, self, anything that's from me and not from you, then correct me on the spot. But Father, I just pray in now, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. What a journey the book of Malachi has been. It has been, I will tell you up front, it has been a journey writing from it. Spending my time and research and study into this book was a lot more hidden really beneath the words than I thought. And I will tell you that it has been a great joy of mine to personally spend this much time of study in this one specific book. But we have finally come to the last chapter. Not only the last chapter of the book of Malachi, but the last chapter of the entire Old Testament. The whole thing, concluding right here. So what does it have to say? What does the last and final words of the Old Testament and the book of Malachi have to say? Now I'm going to tell you, I don't believe, at least from my, this is one of those moments where I say, I think, I think, and I believe that Malachi didn't have any reason to believe or indicate that he was going to be the last book of a group of prophecies or anything on the scriptures or the, or the Old Testament. I don't think Malachi had any knowledge or any reason to believe that. I believe that Malachi just wanted his people to turn back to God. That's just what he wanted, to turn back to God, to come home and be united once again with God, like it was during the times with Abraham. And with Jacob and Moses, remember these times. And he's reaching out to them, saying, do not forget, remember, remember our God, turn back. And then here, he's calling out to the whole book, Israel, why are you acting this way? Why are you acting this way? God's favor has been shown to us throughout the generations. He has saved us from slavery and oppression from time and time again. He's fulfilled his covenant with Abraham before our eyes. He gave us the promised land, just like he said he would. He gave us his provision and his protection. Israel, why has it come to this? Why has it come to this? Now, at this point in time, I can imagine that Malachi was not enjoying the message he was delivering. I wouldn't put it on anybody who would enjoy a message like this to his own people. Who would? Now I can tell you, as I was writing this and studying on this, this, this book, I, I can tell you firsthand that in my life as a pastor, 
and as a minister, that there have been times where God has placed it on my heart and on my wife's heart to confront the sins of another person. It is never something I'm waiting on the sidelines for. Put me in, coach, I'm ready to go. It's never that moment. And in fact, when it's laid on my heart and my wife's heart, we pray on it hard. Is this you or is this me? Is it you or is it me? But I'm going to tell you, every single time, every time, when God has made it clear and defined that as a priest and a pastor of his word that this must take place, and when we go in obedience with him, it is always 100% out of love. And it is always God's voice, not mine. You see, these types of messages, the ones that Malachi has been going on now for a few chapters, these types of messages are always received one of two ways. It's either received with a ready heart of repentance, or it's received with separation. Looking at saying, I... Uh, you're just being me. You're just judging me. You're just this, that. And so, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. And so we separate. And so either in these moments, with, like with Malachi, even with the, with the people of Israel, he's calling out to them. He's calling out them to turn back and to repent, or there's going to be a separation. A separate, not, not from God, but from our own heart. Our hearts will begin to harden. They will start to grow hard. And we don't want to hear anything from anybody even if it is the scriptural gospel truth, we just, we just build a wall and say, no, that's just not going to happen. And we cannot forget, listen, I'm going to tell you, as I was, was, was studying and reading this, that we cannot forget that God is God and that we are not. We are not God. It is within his right, it is within God's right to abandon this project called humanity and to start something completely new. It is within his right as creator to do so. In fact, in the army, we even recognize it with one of our doctrines. Our fifth doctrine says we believe that our first parents were created in a state of innocency, but by their disobedience, they lost their purity and happiness. And that in consequence of their fall, all men have become sinners, totally depraved, and as such, is justly exposed to the wrath of God. This is what we're saying. We are saying, as salvationists in this instance, that, it, that God is within his right to display wrath on mankind. That as creator, he has that right. And it's important to know this. We messed up, not him. We did. Now, I know you're going, can the club be any bigger, Captain? They're just beating us down. Oh, wait. There's more. But you see, we have to understand the character of God. Understand that as creator, he is God and we're not. And that he, by right can express his wrath on humanity. But 
what is it exactly that we're seeing throughout the entire book of Malachi? Are we seeing chapter after chapter in this book a God just looking for a way to hurt and to punish or to show any type of wrath onto his people? No. We see a God who is trying every possible way to save us. Every single, every way, every prophet, every voice to try to, not once, in fact, in Malachi, he has tried it now six times in the book of Malachi. We said, why don't you, why don't you love us, God? Why don't you love us? He says, you're my chosen. You have always been my chosen since the very beginning. Turn your back to me, he says. How have we, how have we despised you, God? How have we despised you? And he says, my own priests dishonor me. They dishonor the temple and they're leading you all astray. Turn your back to me. Turn it to me. How have we turned against you, God, we said. He says, you're divorcing your wives and you're worshiping false auto, idols. Turn back to me. You, God, you have neglected us. Where is this so-called God of justice? He says, judgment is coming. A messenger is coming. And he will bring a purifying fire with him. Please turn back to me, Israel. How are we robbing you, God? How are we robbing you? You're stealing my tithes and offerings. Stop it. Turn back to me. And then we even said to him, you're an absent God. You're an absent God. It's pointless to serve you. You're absent. Go reread the scrolls of your forefathers, my children, and turn back to me. This isn't a God who's trying to destroy us. This is a God, he is trying to save us. He's trying to save us from what's to come, from what is happening. He's, he's, he's literally giving every chance he can. And Malachi here ends his book, here in chapter 4, not with another dispute from God. Not with another thing where, where we're going up against God and, and he is, he's bringing forth a dispute to us. No, no, no. But instead, the book of Malachi ends with a warning. You see, God has already said what he's going to say. He has said what he's going to say. And this part, here. And it isn't God's job. It isn't his responsibility to give us unlimited chances. This is the part where he's God and we're creation. There has to be accountability. There's got to be. And so he tells them in Malachi chapter 4. He says, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its race. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be like ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act says the Lord. Israel. He's telling them, Israel, the day is coming. It is coming. The day where I will make all things right. It's coming and it will be 
like a furnace. Now I've already told you in chapter 2 that I will be sending my messenger and he will be the refiner's fire. And listen now, Israel. All the arrogant and evildoers will be burned away. They aren't going to make it past the fire. But listen, what side of the fire are you going to be on? You will either come out of the fire purified, standing with me in the rays of of righteousness, or you'll be burned away. For those who revere my name, he says, you will get to see and experience the son of righteousness. You will be healed. You will be healed. You will leap and dance like a calf who just got set free. Not under a master, set free dancing. The wicked will be underneath your feet and you will be free. And then he says here very clearly, I am going to do these things. Turn back to me, Israel. Turn back to me. Friends, this is the cry of our Lord. These are the words of God himself. And how will he do all these things? How is he going to accomplish all these things? Well, everyone, each of us, you and I, and I'm not excluded from this, will stand before him. We will take an account before him. The fire will either purify you or it will burn you away. This will happen. But wait, that doesn't sound like the God of love. The God of love wouldn't send any person away. He wouldn't send them to hell. This is a contradicting to what everything else is telling me about God. We sing God is love all the time. How is he going to send? Hey, he wouldn't do it. Captain, he's not that kind of guy. I know him. I'm going to tell you now, it's not him, it's us. We are the ones. it uh, It is us every single time. The entire book of Malachi, the whole book of Malachi is God's hand reaching down to his people, telling them to hold on, grab my hands, turn back to me here. And the whole book of Malachi is us showing them our back. No. No, here, grab on to me. No, you're an absent God. It's pointless to serve you. And here we are. God, I'm going to tell you, God is the God of love. But that doesn't mean hell doesn't exist. He is the God of love. Now, A narrative. Here, we've come now to the last two verses of the Old Testament, of the book of Malachi. And I want to tell you that something interesting happens in the last two verses. The narrative in these final two actually takes an interesting turn. We're done with the thought there that we just talked about. And then the last, it's almost as if the last two verses here were placed almost as if Maybe Malachi, I don't know, knew 
that this was going to be, I just, I don't know. They're a little out of place from what was being talked about. They act not only as the final words of the book of Malachi, but the final words of the Old Testament. And the tone of these two verses kind of feels like, to tell you the truth, that God has had something planned all along. It almost sounds like, when I read it, it sounds like a farewell. Almost like a farewell of some sort. Uh, uh, I'll see you later, or, or something like this. He, he says, he tells Israel, remember, remember the law of my servant Moses. The decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you. Because the, that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. He's telling Israel in these last final two verses, he's telling them to remember, remember the law that I gave to Moses. Remember the things that I have said. Remember that I will be sending Elijah. He will turn the hearts of the fathers and to their children. He will do it. Now, I find it so interesting. In fact, I was stuck on this, that God ends the Old Testament with Elijah. This is who he ends it with. He ended it with the prophet who back in 2 Kings, that was a while back, back in 2 Kings, that God spared this man from death by sending a, a, a chariot of fire from heaven down to get him. That this man never died. That he was in such high favor with God, he spared him from death. This, right now in the last two verses, is God reminding them that Elijah isn't dead. He isn't dead. He never died. He isn't dead. He's coming back. He's coming back, he tells them. This is why still to this day, this day, that every single Jewish home sets a place at the table for Elijah during Passover. They literally set a place, an empty chair with the plate, the food, the whole thing. Every Passover, a table, a seat for Elijah. Just in case, just in case that I might come on that night to your house to fulfill what is said right here in Malachi, to announce that the Messiah has arrived. But until then, they wait in anticipation for his arrival. Now this here, this is also why the priest, when they were witnessing John the Baptist there in the river, this is why they were running out there. What's going on down there? What's taking place? Baptize water. They went down. We have to see this for ourselves. This, they asked them, are you Elijah? Are you Elijah? You see, the pre, they've been sitting at their tables waiting too. They've set a place just like everybody else. They've been waiting for his arrival. Everyone, just like, and here it's no surprise that their very first question at the river that day was, are you Elijah? Are you? They were wanting him to be. 
Has he finally come? Are you Elijah? And John, in his humility, or maybe to keep a low profile, or perhaps it wasn't time. But John's response was, no. But later in Matthew chapter 11, just a few chapters later, Jesus himself, sitting with his disciples, he says, I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And if you're willing to accept this, my friends, he is the Elijah who was to come. So this means that the day when John was standing in the river and he was baptizing, preparing the way, as Malachi just said he would, he's coming. That the day when he saw the Lamb of God coming down, and when Jesus stepped into the river, Jesus was being baptized by Elijah, fulfilling the prophecy of the Messiah. There's no need to leave an empty place at the table anymore, for he has come. Look, the Lamb of God, <laughs> the one who's going to take the sins of the world, he's here. And then, the book of Malachi just ends. It's over. The ride's done. He stopped writing. The book ends. And it doesn't just end his letter. But it is the ending of what will become the old covenant. For a new one is on the way. Now it turns out, you know, we have this in hindsight, but it turns out that those last two verses in Malachi chapter 4 were somewhat of a farewell. It was. See, in my Bible, here's the last page of Malachi. And I have this one little page right here that says the New Testament. And the next page is Matthew. Now what this Bible doesn't tell you is that that one page right there represents 400 years of silence. Silence. No written scripture. No record of God's voice. No trace of communication from heaven. It is complete and total silence. From the moment Malachi said he's coming, 400 years of silence. This is why he said to them, remember, 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 you and I, we never need to fear when God seems silent because what he has already said is true yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If only we would remember, remember, So what was God up to during those years, those 400 years when he was silent? 
Wow. He was keeping his promises. 400 years later, God breaks his silence for the first recorded time to a group of shepherds in the field. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Father, we thank you for this time that we were in your presence. And may we anticipate the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For he will return again. And may we be ready. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.